Okay, so uh, now it's time for the scripture reading. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. The parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, good morning again, church. It's great to be in worship with you. As we are here today, uh, we have some special guests that I want to recognize here today. Uh, in a pastor's life, uh, sometimes you get the opportunity to serve as an associate pastor, and I got to do that twice in my ministry before I got to come here and serve uh, here at Grove Fort United Methodist Church. Uh, one of those places was at Purple Door Church over in Grove City, and the man that I worked under was named was Dennis Moeller. And Dennis and his wife Sue are here today. I'm going to just point them out. They can wave, stand, whatever they want to do, take a bow or whatever. But Dennis and Sue are over here. And uh, so excited for them. This is, I haven't seen them in a long time. They retired, went down to the lake, and he's been fishing uh, quite a while, I think. But they've been having a good time. They just celebrated their uh, first granddaughter, and uh, they're having a great time. And so we're so thankful for you here uh, today. And, of course, uh, if you're here today and you like me, you can thank Dennis for being part of that because he helped shape who I am today and how I do ministry. So thank you again, Dennis, for all your work, and I appreciate that. Even the smile. He's got such a good smile. Yeah. Well, as we're here today, we're going to be starting a new sermon series. Okay, more energy than that. It's not enough. New sermon series. Yay! There we go. Some clapping. 
Well, we're starting a new one, and this one's really fun. And the reason why is because not just because of the, what it is and what we're going to be studying, but we're going to be trying something new in our church where the children's church that goes on the junior church is going to be more or less studying a lot of the same things at the same time or even talking about that maybe in Sunday school as well. And so what's neat about that is if you have kids or grandkids in our program, afterwards when you go out to lunch or throughout the day, you're going to be able to have a conversation with them about what you learned in church, what they learned in church, and you guys can have some good conversations, and, and I hope that you explore that. Take that opportunity, because there's not enough moments in life where we take opportunity to grow faith in our children and in our youth, so please do that. So they're going to be studying the parables, and we're going to be studying the parables, and specifically today's title is Investment, and talking about our scripture. Well, as we come here today, let us pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth, meditation of all, may the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but when I come to different parables of Jesus, sometimes you leave it and you're kind of scratching your head and you're going, did I get that? Did I get all of it? Did I quite understand it? And I remember when I was young and first fallen Christ, and I encountered this parable. I remember leaving it and I had some questions at the end of it because I remember thinking, wow, that sounds kind of harsh, right? Like, you know, one gets, one, you know, does really good, one, you know, takes the money and gets more, you know, doubles it pretty much, and master's happy. The other one does the same thing, doubles it, and then the one that got almost nothing, it felt like compared to the others, you know, stored it, and then the master gets super mad and takes it away, right? And of course, when I left that, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, maybe God, like, has it out for us, and God's, you know, saying, hey, you know, you better grow some things. If you don't, judgment's coming, right? And so I was all worried about that, and Try to, it almost endued me with self-righteous works, if you will, to go out and do things on my own and all that stuff. And in fact, that's not exactly what's going on in this parable. And so it's a fun parable to start with in our sermon series as we go through it. But there's a few things you have to know about this parable before you can understand it. And the first one is this. As we mentioned bags of gold in our reading, the original kind of worded language is talents. And in fact, that very word that we use for talent, saying that someone has a gift, comes from this parable. This is actually where it comes from. But originally, a talent was not what we think of today. A talent is a coin of money. And specifically, in the days of Jesus, they were using Roman coins, and so Roman coins were worth different things. And a talent was the most special coin you could have. It was the most valuable coin there was. And in fact, it was so valuable, let me tell you a little about it. If you worked a day and you got paid for that day, generally what you were thought of as a pay for a day was called a denarius. And so when Jesus, this is a type of coin as well, and so it was the Greek name for the Roman coin, and so you got a denarius for that day. Well, if you worked 6,000 days, you got 6,000 denarii, if you will, if you want to, or denarius is whatever the proper term for that is, and you could turn it in to get one of what? A talent. So one talent equals 6,000 days worth of work very significant amount of money. So when Jesus is talking about these servants were given some money, this isn't chump change, right? This is not little tiny bits of money. This is significant money, which means this person, the master in this story, is a wealthy, wealthy person. Probably something like a king or a ruler of some type of some area would be the natural assumption of the people hearing the story. And the second thing that is really important to know about this story as we look into it is this, is the way Jesus' hearers first heard this story is different than the way you and I hear this story. And in fact, some of the, the things they were used to, some of the common knowledge that was experienced back then has been lost over the years. When Jesus is saying this story, the things that would have come into their mind don't come into our mind anymore because the world has changed. It's not like that. And what I mean is this, is back in the day, 
there were some things that would happen. And for instance, if you were a master and you went on a long journey, you would leave for a long time and then come back, right? But in those days, a lot of times, who would go on a long journey if you were the master to go on a long journey? You were going to find your patron. And so if you were a wealthy merchant, you would almost have a patron. You always had somebody above you, like your boss, even though you were maybe the, in charge of a city or in charge of an area. You had somewhere you had to go to to report to, and eventually everybody had somebody over them in some ways. Well, especially this was true with rulers. And so if you were called someone like King Herod, you were kind of a puppet king, because really you were king over Israel, but you weren't really king over Israel. You were just a puppet king to the true king over in Rome, who was Caesar, right? So you get how this works. So if someone goes on a long journey, a lot of times they're going to see their patron. And in fact, this is exactly what happened in Jesus' day. There was an example of one of the kings that actually went on a journey, had to go see Caesar, and Caesar didn't like what he had to say, didn't like how he was ruling, so basically deposed him of his, his right and installed a new king. And all of a sudden, a new king came back to Israel. And guess what happened to all the people who had loyalty to the first king? They were in trouble, right? And whoever put their loyalties in the person that, you know, was gaining power and got king, all of a sudden they were in good standing and had all the ruling association of that area. And this happened, and people knew that these things would happen, and this happened in, actually in Jesus' early days. And so when Jesus tells this story, this is what's coming into their mind. They're understanding that when this wealthy person, who's probably some ruler of some type, goes away, they may not be coming back. And if they do come back, they may not be the ruler anymore. There may be a new ruler. And these servants are given, of course, these talents, vast sums of money. If one gets five of them, right? Five times 6,000 days worth of work, right? Or two, ta two talents, or one talent. Significant money. And the master who's done this, you also got to, we have to understand, like, the master didn't just give them something and not, they didn't know how to do it. They were the servants of the master. They worked with the, alongside the master for however many years they had been there. They saw how the master did business. The master knew that they knew how to do this and do business. And so for them, when he left, they're doing business in his name if they choose to. And so there's no fear of, you know, the, them messing it all up and coming back and not having any talents if they blow it away or make a bad investment. That's not going to happen because they're going to do it and work just like the master has taught them to do. And so they're going to keep doing and making money just like the master has been making money. And this is the thing. What happens is when the master goes away, the question becomes not will they make money or blow it. The question actually is will they continue to do business in the master's name? And if so, they're going to grow the money. And if not, they're holding out because they don't know if the master's coming back. And they're sort of betting their hedges, if you will. They're kind of hoping that you know, if the master doesn't come back and the new person comes, that person can then say, hey, you know, when they were away, I didn't do business because you know, I was looking out for you. you know, and they can kind of make that statement. And that's exactly what Jesus is pointing out in this parable is that these servants who knew how to do business, there was no risk of losing the money if they just did what the master wanted them to do. If they just continued to do the things that they would do, the question was, do they align themselves with the master? Do they risk themselves for the name of the master? Do they declare their allegiance and put a flag in the ground saying, I am my master's and I serve this master? When the master's away, 
Of course, as the story goes, two of them do it. The ones that were given great, you know, the most money do this very thing. They continue doing business. They actually grow it. They double the money. They're excited. The master comes back, is excited for them, and the master says, come and join with me and celebrate with me. But the last one didn't do that. Right? The last one said, ooh, I'm shutting down business. I don't want to be associated. I want people to, to question and declare my allegiance. I'm going to hide it away. They don't even put it in a bank, right? <laughs> they don't even put it somewhere where we're doing anything. It says they dig a hole and stick it in the ground. So if anybody comes a-looking, they can declare, hey, I don't have anything. And so when the master gets back, they try to use words to convince the master that they were doing something wise, but the master knows. The master knows that when they were away, they chose to not associate with the master. And even though they gave the money back, they chose not to declare their allegiance. And so when you come to this story, it's interesting because when you read Matthew 25, right before it is the story of the ten virgins. You remember that one with the oil lamps? And we'll maybe get to that. But it's a story where basically some of the, the virgins have oil. In their, they brought extra oil. Some of them did, and they're all expecting the groom to come back. And when the groom comes back, some of them ran out. They have oil. They had to go to town and try to buy some more. And some of them had the oils and were over to go celebrate. Jesus is talking about his coming, right, in that story. And then there's this story. And then after that, you get the separation of the sheep and the goats which we'll declare at another time. But this story happens in Matthew chapter 25, which is right before the events of the cross and the resurrection. And what happens in the resurrection? Eventually, right, Jesus leaves the disciples and gives them the authority to do what he's been doing and to, to proclaim the world, well, then proclaim the gospel and go out into the world. Basically, he leaves on a journey, assigns the people what they're supposed to do, and he expects what? them to do it. And in fact, this story challenged me so much because it's not a matter of will I earn money or not. It's a matter of will I actually invest myself in God's kingdom? Will I be associated with him even if it costs me at other places? Will I continue to do his work even when I don't see him or feel his presence or know he's right there? Will I be faithful in those moments? What will I do while he is away? Well, there's many answers to that. In fact, when Christ is here and he's asking each of us, he's up in heaven, but he's looking down on us, right? The Holy Spirit's still alive and well and with us, but we don't feel him, right? He's not here and we can't put our hands in the holes of his hands and feel him. We can't, you know, see his face and hear his voice literally in that sense. But yet we've been given a task. We've been assigned a duty. So what is it what Christ has called us to do while he is away? And he says he's coming back, right? And he wants to know what you've been up to and what I've been up to. Have we been using it and declaring allegiance and growing? Or have we been hiding and acting just like the rest of the world and being blown away by it? Well, there's a couple of things when I look at the Gospels, and there's so many different aspects we could talk about. But I want to just name a few here today that if you want to declare your allegiance, some things that you could do differently than the world around us. Now, every culture is different, right? I mean, we live in the United States of America. It's the 21st century. So this is a sermon that's very particular to different parts of the world in different places. But I thought it'd be good to think about our own culture in some ways. There are ways that we honor God. There's some ways that we don't. In some ways that in our world, when we look around, in us, just United States of Americans, you know, as we look around, that we don't honor God with what we do. And God wants us to challenge here today to say, hey, let's do something different. And so I want to name three things that I think we should do um, as I look at the Gospels and what Christ calls us to do and how we can declare allegiance 
And if you really think about it, even though these sound small, they're huge, and they're totally different than what the culture around us is doing, and even the direction the culture seems to be heading in so many ways. And the first one is this, place value on people. That sounds simple, and it sounds small, and it sounds, duh, oh, we do that. But think about it, do we? Right? Do we place value on people in our world? We see this in so many different ways, but you know what? Every time I go to some either fast food place or you know, a place where there's that point of sale, right? Where you, know, you get up to the cash register and the person there is just worn out because you know what? People didn't show up for work. They've all been working overtime. They haven't gotten, you know, they're just weary and tired. They have shifts that had to change their lives, get babysitters to watch their kids, do all these different things and they're there and they got yelled at by the three people in front of you, right? And chewed out and then your turn comes and they just look up at you and they don't even see a person anymore because they're so just dragged out from the day. There's a moment there and a gift that you could take that talent that God's given you and invest it right there, right at that point of sale. And it doesn't even have to be a huge thing, right? All you had to do is just speak encouragement to that man or woman. I don't know if you tried this. I don't know, hopefully you've tried this at some point, but just try it if you haven't. This week, Say something really nice to whatever point of sale person you come across. The whole entire week, whatever you come across, right? When you come across them, just come up. Even if it was bad service, you can say something like this. I am just thankful that you're here today so that I can get this item that I needed, right? You didn't say anything that they were good at what they did. You didn't say, you know, even if it was really bad service, right? But say something along those lines. Just, I am thankful that you're here today so that I can buy this thing that I need. If they did really good work or did good service, just tell them how much it meant to their day. I was at uh, um, a restaurant the other day, and um, we were there, and the server was just so happy. And I don't know if you've been around somebody super happy lately, but it's, like, contagious. It's, like, it's world mind-blowing. I mean, it's, everybody out there is grumbling and complaining and doing all these rah, 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 and you come across someone happy, and you're just like, this is great, right? And I told them afterwards, there was a man that served us, and I just said, I, you know, I just got to tell you, like, I don't know you at all, but like, you have made my day. Like, you just, you just smiled, you, you get like, this was just the most fun I've had out eating out in the longest time. And I feel like it's been forever since I had service like this. And just, you blessed me. And you could see like, there was a sense of pride in what he did. That he actually took that and it actually not just meant something, we left him a really nice tip of course too and all that stuff, but like, it just uplifted him in an amazing way because we put value on the person, which is exactly what Jesus did time and time again. You know, some other things that you can do that just don't generally get done nowadays is tip generously. A lot of people are, as you can read articles about just skipping tips altogether, and people work for basically $2 an hour just to get treated like that, even if it was bad service. Or you can care about what's important about to another person. Just listen and ask them and talk about what's interesting to them. I found it funny that over the years, a lot of times I'll sit with people and talk with them, and I'll say basically like 10 words during like a 30-minute conversation. And because all I did was just listen and ask what they were interested in, and they just kept talking at the end. They go, this was the best conversation ever. Like, I just love talking with you. And I'm like, that's great. I said like 10 things, but you're welcome, right? <laughs> but it's amazing the gift you can give somebody and how much you can uplift their life by just being interested in what they're interested in talking about what's talking to them. You do that. You speak value into a person. Or maybe the most valuable thing that we have with nowadays is our time. Just giving our time to other people. 
and how every time, uh, you know, we're very involved in Emmaus in our community, but I'm always amazed at how many people take time, whether they're serving on the group or even just taking time out the week to do some special things that take time out to go be there for people. You're adding value to people every time you do that. Second thing that we can do is to seek holiness. Now, you think about our world, it becomes self-expression, it becomes, I want to do what you do, you do you, and I do me, and we're all super happy. And last time I went to, ever, you know, went to anywhere where everybody was doing what they wanted, no one was happy, right? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really interesting how much we pursue our own happiness, yet it's just the pursuit because we never actually get it. It's, it's really kind of crazy, right? And I love Walmart commercials, and I've said this before, and, I, and people from Walmart don't sue me. But I'm just saying, like, Walmart commercials, everybody's so happy, and every time I go into Walmart, everybody's miserable, right? I mean, I just, I have to get out of the way of the cart coming at me because I'm about to get run over every time I go, right? But seek holiness. Instead of seeking ourselves, seek holiness. And now holiness is a word. It doesn't mean a social status of I'm so holy or anything like that. It doesn't mean anything like that. It means becoming like Jesus. And so becoming like Jesus, you do the things that Jesus did. You spend time in prayer. You spend time reading and knowing scripture and let it be part of your life. You spend time in worship. You know, there's 365 days a year. That means 52 normal Sundays on a given year. You only have 52 opportunities to be in the house of God with other Christians when you're here in Groveport. You know, I know sometimes we're traveling and doing things, but that's your only chance. Take advantage of it or a Bible study. Or even better yet, a small group where you get together and truly try to seek God together. You can even admit your faults. Let those other people speak forgiveness into you and uplift you and help you to go and be more like Jesus each and every day. The world will try to sell you many things, but it doesn't try to sell you holiness at all, does it? Yet it's the very thing that makes us truly happy. Because when we become like Christ and act like Christ, the blessing that's there is amazing. Third thing I would say here today, to be different, you want to plant your flag in and declare your allegiance, is to love everyone. Now, this one's tricky because in our culture, it is love everyone, love everyone, love everyone, except don't love those people who have power, right? If you really listen to what's, that's what's normally said, right? I mean, love everyone, love everyone, love all the people in hard situations. That's true. Jesus wants us to do that. But then there's kind of this flip of the coin where the, the switch gets flipped, if you listen carefully to our culture sometimes, where it says, love everyone except those who have power. And in that case, shame them to death, right? And, and I'm not saying that change need, doesn't need to happen in all those different things, but I think we need to be careful about how our culture sometimes does that change. You see, love, as Jesus called us, is not just always a feeling. Love is given even when people don't deserve it. And it doesn't mean that you agree with what they're doing, When you love someone, it doesn't mean that you're saying their actions are right. It means this, you recognize God's grace in your life to forgive you a sinner. And you're going to show love to someone whether they deserve it or not by your actions. I'm always amazed that when I think about acts of kindness and acts of grace, but so many times those acts of kindness and acts of grace, you're not supposed to do it in our culture, it seems like, for those that have authority or power. And I would challenge that because Jesus does say, love your enemy. He does challenge us to walk that extra mile. And in those days, soldiers would just come up to you and say, carry this for this mile. Basically, Jesus is saying, hey, go an extra one. That authority that abused their power, love them too. 
And I think about sometimes in our culture how we look at those in authority, like the police, like mayors, like city councils, student councils, or, or school councils, that is, presidents even, and we just rip down and rip down and rip down, yet we never show love and even just common courtesies to those people. If you want to plant your ground in love, like Jesus loved, you got to do it all everyone. Not just poor people, not just outcast people. You got to also show love even to the rulers. Doesn't mean you don't challenge them. Doesn't mean you don't have conversations with them and show them and explain to them how you see things differently and wrong and how they need to change. But you don't get to rip them down and just shred them like sometimes we do in our culture. You know, Jesus is coming back. And as that song we didn't sing, but I was singing it in my heart and I was singing it out loud a little bit. We're going to fly away one day, right, people? And the question is, until that day comes, God's given each and every single one of us talent upon talent, things worth way more than gold. Are we going to use it like he told us to? Are we going to hide it and bury it? Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. And God, sometimes the gospel challenges us in great and mighty ways. And Lord, we recognize that as anywhere in this earth, all cultures, all people, we come to you and we ask forgiveness. For Lord, in so many ways, we don't live up to the gospel. And God, it's your great grace that always meets us every, each and every new day. That Lord, when we grab hold of it and accept it, that we're reformed and renewed to give another opportunity to go out to do good. God, there's so many things we could talk about here today about planting our flag on the ground and being allegiant to you. But as those three things that we just mentioned, the ways in which you loved people and the way in which you did your ministry on this earth and you challenged us to do these things, that help us to do them. Even in a culture that's constantly telling us to do it differently or do it in a different way or don't do it even at all, may, Lord, in these days, we become more like you so that, God, we can know the fullness of goodness, that our hearts can be overflowing with joy once again. And that, God, we could truly build the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.